Welcome to Postcast, the Utah Jazz without five pieces. Four of their main contributors fight the Denver Nuggets to the final moments, but fall short to Nikola Jokic in a resilient fighting outing from the Jazz. It has to make you proud as a Jazz fan. We'll talk about it. Coming up on Postcast. Postcast here, David Locke along with Ron Boone and... Ron, what's your thoughts on this Jazz performance where they fall to Denver tonight, final score, 115 to 110? What we expected. We expect for them to fight, as they've done all season long. They usually fight pretty hard and uh, make a ball game out of it, regardless of who's out there on the floor. Uh, Only scoring 20 points in that fourth quarter, but the Denver Nuggets only scored 23. So it wasn't one of those games where it was a close ball game where one team just dominated the other and, and separated themselves. So it got to the point where the Jazz had a chance. There was one moment of the game where it felt like the Jazz could it could get away from the Jazz. It was early third quarter. Denver had gone up by 10. And in you're, I said, like, hey, you don't want to be climbing from behind when you're shorthanded. And the Jazz went the other way, where they promptly dropped 38 points in that third quarter for their second largest scoring output of any third quarter and got themselves right back in the game, 92-90 by, the point, by that time. Uh, and then we're in the game, down the wire, play possession by possession against really a Denver team that other than Michael Porter Jr. is at full strength. Yeah, and that's when Tucker had a pretty good third quarter. I think he scored 10 points. 10 of his 19 or something like that in that fourth quarter and and, and um, kept the Jazz in it. I mean, the, the outscoring the Nuggets 38 to 31 in that quarter and, and boy, things started to look good from that point. But fourth quarter was a little different story. Well, late fourth, Jazz don't hit shots in the fourth quarter and then late fourth quarter, the Jazz turn it over again. The, the turnover and, and ill-advised plays and ill-advised shots. Late in the game, Jazz ended up in that fourth quarter tonight uh, after having taken care of the ball really, really well, the Jazz in the fourth quarter shot 8 of 22 from the field and 2 of 12 from 3, but they turned it over four times after having only turned it over nine times in all of the previous um, uh, previous uh, quarters combined. So really, in a lot of ways, the Jazz, you know, just kind of the same story we've seen this whole time without Mike Conley is that when it suddenly gets down to that late game time and you've got guys that are having to do things they've never done before, they, they just make mistakes. And there were plays tonight. A Vando bounce pass through the lane that was a turnover. Horton Tucker taking a a three when Will Hardy was trying to set up the play that he airballs. They're just, hey, I got it. Guys are all trying to do the best they can. They're trying to make the best play. And it, it's not a sign of their weakness as a player. It's a sign of their inexperience in the moment. Yeah, not being in a situation like that and... and uh, they talk about playing freely and play, wanting to play free. And, and uh, but boy, you get into crunch time, you know, sometimes that stuff has to change. And you have to realize that, you know, every possession is valuable and to the point where, you know, there's time is not your friend. And, and so you have to uh, protect the basketball, make good decisions out there on the floor and, and in, in the closing minutes of a ball game. So that's probably when uh, the Jazz end up not being able to control everything. Let's talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's had a lot of opportunities recently uh, with Colin, since Colin Sexton's gone out. He had increased his time even uh, with Mike Conley out. Uh, he's, you know, this is an interesting player, right? He goes, to, he gets drafted, I think, about 15th or 17th. I can't remember off the top of my head. He um, was drafted 17th. 17th. Brooklyn, by, 2019. By, and ends up being by New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He has a great summer league. They kind of overextend him. Mm-hmm. He gets Three different coaches in his first three years. Willie Green comes in, makes him a starter. He doesn't perform well. He presses. He openly admitted he pressed. He kind of stressed out about it. They trade him. He gets lost in the shuffle last year after the trade uh, to the Jazz, and this is suddenly getting an opportunity. Really, maybe 
maybe in I mean, this guy's had five coaches in five seasons. Like, okay. there's been nothing about Alexander Walker's track to try to get a footing in the league that's been helpful to him. Maybe he's finally finding his footing because he was quite good tonight. 27 points, two assists, uh, three rebounds, nine of 16, and he's shooting his five of 10 shooting tonight. He is now over 40% for the season from three, a guy who's never shot better than 33.7. Yeah, 40%, I mean, 40 minutes in the ballgame. And every time he shoots the basketball, I'm thinking it's not going to get there. <clears throat> he has a tremendous amount of arch on his side shot, and it's very, very soft. And, you know, he had a pretty good night. 16 shots, as you just mentioned, making nine of them. And, and you can see his confidence level is definitely there right now. And, and uh, the way he was attacking the basket, the type of shots that he was shooting told me was, was telling me that, okay, you know, he's going to start demanding some playing time. Had six turnovers. Two of them were on skip passes to the corner that Aaron Gordon anticipated. Uh, Denver double teams the ball on the pick and roll and forces you to make the longest pass you possibly can for the sole purpose of doing exactly that. Um, that's probably where some experience with a pump fake or something of that nature probably helps him a little bit. But you're seeing signs of a guy that's, I think, going to be able to find his way into the NBA as a rotation player. Even the way... His offensive game is definitely, he does have an offensive game, but I really like his defense there as well. I mean, he's long and, and, uh, he gets down, gets into you and, and, you know, forces you to, to make, make a play or, or choose something that you're uncomfortable with. Now, Murray had a pretty good night uh, tonight and, and, you know, it's not a lot you can do. He just, he's a star player. But uh, again, I, I think, uh, Alexander Walker is going to, start demanding more playing time. I think the interesting one on this game, if you want to dig into what happened for the Jazz, a lot of great things. But the game really, anytime you're playing Denver, stems to the non-Jokic minutes. Jokic mm-hmm. is that great. He dictates the game. He had 31 points tonight. He had 12 rebounds. He had 14 assists. Another triple-double. He's surpassed Wilt Chamberlain for the most triple-doubles by a center ever in NBA history. And he... He dictates the game. They have the biggest discrepancy. He has the biggest discrepancy of any player in the NBA in minutes where he's on the floor versus off the floor. And the Jazz just didn't quite do well enough in the non-Jokic minutes. They didn't give themselves a big enough cushion so that when it went down the stretch, they're playing possession by possession against Nikola Jokic. Yeah, you talked about it quite a bit there in that third period, especially at the end of that third period. Even though the Jazz outscored them 38-31, to they didn't separate themselves enough to the point where now Denver has to play some catch up there in that fourth quarter. I think it was only a one Yo, the f- going when Jokic the came back in the first five, Jokic sat for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. The Jazz only outscored the Nuggets by one point. You've really just you got to get three or four or five points in that in that stretch uh, to be able to do that. And when you're shorthanded, maybe you just don't have enough firepower to do it. Yeah, yeah. And get to the point. Where, okay, what kind of matchup? What do we do with Jokic when he comes into the ba- basketball game? You can tell that he was just he he, le- he lived in the paint. Use his body, use his footwork, and it just made it his his, uh, his scoring just so easy. He ended up with eleven for twenty from the field, and as usual, he shoots a great percentage. Well, I think we probably are over the concept of like watching Will Hardy every single night, trying to figure out what he is as a head coach and if we think he's good enough or any of that kind of stuff. But I do think tonight's another interesting night in the Will Hardy learning. Will Hardy. You know, they seem like they've made the starting lineup change with Walker Kessler. He gets kind of manhandled by Rudy Gobert last night. They're going up against Jokic, and he says, "Wait a second! If we're this short-handed, and we're playing Jokic, and we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to, you know, create chaos, scramble this game, get out and run, create activity." So I'm starting 
Jared Vanderbilt to do exactly that. Double team, create a lot of havoc, and the Jazz did that. They were eight, out in pan, uh, transition 18% of the time through the first half. I don't have the final number on it. It was much lower in the second half. Uh, but, I, you know, you just see him, Will Hardy, just trying to figure out each night how he can use the puzzle pieces he has for the best chance to win on that given night, and I thought he did it really well again. Again, absolutely. And, David, I think he probably put things together last night because he probably knew that Marketing and Conley and, and, and Jordan was not going to play last night. So he started putting together um, scenarios and, and, you know, who should I start? What kind of scoring will I have if I start this guy? And why is my defense going to work if this guy is, is playing what certain guys are on the floor? I mean, and you only, what did he play, nine guys tonight? Uh, yep. Nine guys. And so – that type of thing, I think that's when coaching really comes into play. I mean, that's what keeps you up at night, trying to figure things out. All right, we saw two guys a lot that we don't see very much, so I want your evaluation of them, and then we'll do our two stars. Ochai Abaji plays 19 minutes. He goes two of eight from the floor. He does not go to the free throw line. He makes two threes. He had two rebounds, zero assists, two fouls in six points in that 19 minutes. Any feeling on what he was as a player? No, none whatsoever. I think he's... Uh, he needs work. You know, he needs playing time, and, and um, I, I've seen him working very, very hard before ball games in practice. I know he's trying to uh, get some playing time and get better, uh, but, you know, he needs to continue working. My only, the only thing I would say is, I, and I've always felt this about young players, and this fits for both the two guys we're going to talk about, I would rather have them make a ton of mistakes than make no impact. You can turn mistakes into corrections. No impact is very nerve-wracking to me. When a young player is on the floor for a lot of minutes and is not felt, that is a nerve-wracking thing for me. And, yeah. and that is actually a very good way to evaluate young players in this league is are they actually having an impact? And uh, Ochai is trying, but he's not, having a, he's, he's not out there. Like You don't feel him. On the game. And the other one, Leandro Palmaro, who I thought his box score is a little confusing. He has he plays 17 minutes. He has zero points. He has a rebound and three assists. I thought he settled the game really well, and I would give him credit for that. But his reluctancy to shoot the basketball at any point in time is problematic. <laughs> well, you, you can tell that those guys need minutes. Uh, they need um, um, a lot more work than... Uh, Abaji looked like he has some athletic ability uh, at, how far along is he as far as being a professional basketball player? It's, it's, he, he's just not ready right now, especially at this level. Uh, the G League is probably where he's going to probably spend most of his time this year. And that's what's so great about the Salt Lake Stars. You can see him. All right, time for our two stars tonight. I think I have both of mine. I don't know that we have not been agreeing very often. So do you want to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to give mine to Alexander Walker, especially for that third period that he put in, even though I thought I didn't like some of the mistakes he made down down the stretch. And then, I mean, I mean Tucker. Oh, you're going Tucker. Tucker, Tucker, okay. Tucker and Walker, yeah. Tucker All right, so Walker. I'm going Kelly. And not because they scored a lot of points. I just like, you know, the way they, they did some things. I'm going to go Kelly Olenek. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Walker, I thought Kelly Olenek did actually a pretty good job on Jokic. He's great, but it's it's hard to do it. He did about as good a job as he could. And I thought he was kind of a settling force offensively at times as probably our best ball distributor and most trusted player there. He does have a corner three that he missed that he would probably like back, but he went two for four um, from three tonight. Jazz... Uh, Stayed in the game early by hitting seven out of their first ten threes. Then they cooled off a little bit for the rest of the night, hitting only eight of their final 31. But they battled to the very end against the Denver Nuggets and lose at 115 to 110. Oh, they ended up right where they're average at 41 attempts and 15 makes. Yep, that's usually you get to the back of your basketball cards. Somebody told me that. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.